I'm Lacey. And I'm Kippen. We're two friends who love to get lost inside a great story. And we're welcoming you to our own little book club. This is One Page More, a podcast. And we're going to talk about Sorrow and Bliss. Are you stoked? Um, Meg Mason truly did a number on me with this book. So, absolutely. I am ready to jump right in. Okay, so for those that have not read it, again, I feel like the Goodreads um, synopsis of this was terrible. It was not only terrible. This was the number one, like, it made no sense. We were like, oh, this woman lives with her family after a divorce. Does that ever <laughs> even happen in the book? I don't even know if it does. Maybe for like five seconds. I, I would say a better synopsis is a woman struggling with her own mental health and mental illness her practically her whole life during the book and then all of the ups and downs and relationships and how it affects everything in her life because she's misdiagnosed and trying really hard but also sometimes not trying really hard and just like a very real look at someone with mental illness Yes, and it really, it talks a lot about, like, her uh, PTSD from her own childhood, and it goes very in detail with her, like, romantic relationships, and it's very complex. I had, I jumped back and forth about loving and hating the book, but it was, it was awesome. It was very well written. By the end of the day, I was very happy that we chose this book. For sure. And something that stuck out for me is that the the author is British and it had that like wry kind of sometimes silly British but dry sense of humor that I really liked. Um, there was some like we described it in our sizzle as a dark comedy, which I would still stand by, but definitely like a dramedy. It is it is not like a laugh a minute type thing. Definitely. There are some, like, total, like, deadpan moments that I I was going over reading my notes that cracked me up so much. So, yeah, there's a lot of, like, hardships and really hard and, like, um, truly difficult things. But, yeah, super fun um, little things just kind of, like, sprinkled in there. If you like the feeling of picking up a book and feeling like you're going to read somebody's diary, this is for you. For sure. Uh, So... With all that said, I would give this st- this a five-star rating for me. I really loved it. Um, I read it on ebook, and I, again, <laughs> because of, like, me and Lacey were just talking about, like, our mental blocks sometimes around, like, oh, I have to read this book. I need to read it by this deadline. And I'm in the middle of, like, I was in the middle of Wheel of Time. She was in the middle of Dune. Like, could not get further away from the world in this book so it took me like 30 percent of the way and then I was just like whipping through it I loved it once we yeah once I hit 50 percent I just couldn't stop this book for me definitely a five star and I will go into more details as to why with spoilers but yeah I also will say if we want to jump to should you read it or should you listen to it in my personal opinion you have to have this book in hand one of my biggest qualms with this book, and it drove me nuts, there was a ton of French, just like random long French phrases, um, a couple sentences in French, where I 
do not speak a lick of French. So I just kept being like, what is going on here? And trying to use my little like Google Translate that. And then it also would like talk about like obscure places and things that I was like, where is this? And lastly, she used some of the most unheard of words. I just was like, what is going on? Like I'm a pretty well-read person. I feel like I know a lot of like, you know, but I, I felt like a dummy at times with this book where I was like, what? What does this mean? I used a lot of um, uh, dictionary <laughs> during this book. Meg Mason is a smart gal. Like, you can tell. She is, like, very witty, very sharp. A lot probably like uh, her protagonist, Martha, in the book. Um, I would agree. I... I listened to like a tiny snippet of the audiobook, but for whatever reason, I could only get it on Audible and I didn't want to burn a credit. So it was a great book to have in your hands. Lacey was, is right where like there, there, my like, <laughs> I did take French in the 10th grade and the 9th grade. So I did know a little tiny bit, but still it was just, um, yeah, I think I would have enjoyed it as an audiobook, but I liked that I could finish it really quickly. I think overall, if you were to sit down and read start to finish, you could easily finish this book in like a long afternoon or like maybe two sittings. It took me longer than that because I had junk going on, but it's not very long. Um, but it is, I mean, she goes places in this book. Like it's, it's a nice chunk of her life. Definitely. Okay. Are we ready to jump into spoilers? I'm ready to talk about this book. I am too. And <laughs> I never take notes. I wanted to be sure and take notes. As soon as I realized this is not a spoiler, but the the book kind of starts at the end type trope and then goes back to her teenage years and um, like I said, it kind of reads like a diary where she has these segments where she's talking about contemporary things in her life. And then she'll throw in like little asides like, oh, today I saw my nephew and he was, you know, telling me about a cool dinosaur. And like, I'm ruining this because <laughs> they're like very cute little insights. But it was perfect because a huge thing, thing in this book theme in this book is Martha is like her own worst enemy and her biggest critic and so Lacey was saying like didn't know if she loved it or hated it well it's because you don't know if you love or hate Martha because she is really hard on herself and she is the main narrator and I liked that you got those little blurbs throughout because it was like oh like this is the personality that you're not letting us see or you feel like <laughs> doesn't matter because you have all this crap wrong with you. Yeah. She was so, so hot and cold, mm -hmm. so hot and cold. And every single time she would say something, I didn't even think about that, but you're right. She was very cutting towards herself. She definitely was like, once she mentioned specifically that like, she like, you know, talk about like the bomb going off in her brain. There was a lot of like, just negative things that was constantly said about herself. So, yeah, a great book, but you really do trudge through some some tough things. Yeah, I... So, when it starts, you're starting off with her turning 40, 
and basically like her husband leaving her a few days after this 40th birthday party that he's throwing for her and you get the sense that like she is so resentful of him you don't know why but she just has gotten to this point where she can't stand him um and she talks about about like how she's not a good wife and I'm just like I mean, she's not a good wife. <laughs> like, she's not. But I wrote down this was my first note of, like, what makes a good wife? Like, it, it's like, to me, it's like, what makes a good friend? Or what makes a good, like, human being in general? Like, being a good wife is not all that different than being, like, a, a stand-up friend. You, right away, you get the vibe that she... Patrick her husband that she hates him and that she can't stand him and like she's just so like attack mode and there was a time uh, pretty close to the beginning where she says like oh like I didn't really mean to be like that I didn't mean to be like so harsh but I did it anyways and I kind of can't stop so she is very much like because when it first kind of laid it out I thought like well maybe it's justified that he's done something terrible because she basically at several times just tells him like shut up and like you know she makes a comment how she'd want to kill him and it's kind of like wow honey this is getting dark fast we're three pages in and as you know as kind of time goes on like nothing seems to justify the just like his poor way she treats this man Mm -hmm. who seems to be like quite the catch for her but yeah she definitely is not like um She's not like a loving person towards him. No. And that immediately tainted my view towards her. Where within the first chapter, I was like, oh, I don't like her. She's not a nice person. And I didn't know how I felt about Patrick, but immediately felt some hostility towards her because of how she was treating him. Yeah, because I, I definitely have qualms with people that, like, feel like being a wife is their calling in life. Like, no. Like, uh, being a husband or a wife is like a relationship and so you should (laughs) respect it just like any relationship I mean it's like maybe the most important relationship you have but yeah I'm just like anybody that would treat anybody this way it's just kind of it was so off-putting and she even they they have this scene early on where they're like at a party and they obviously have like this little shtick where people will ask how they met And it's always like, oh, he's always just been there. He's like the sofa. Like, he's just always been there. And I was immediately like, is this like a cop-out? Like, is it too painful for them or like awkward for both of them to tell how they met or how they got together? And as we move further along and you finally figure out who Patrick was to her, I mean, I guess it could be like, a long-winded story it does I guess make sense that he's always been there but at the same time I think it just speaks to like they used to have something really special and like magical and then like the life drained out of it so they're just she's tired of telling the little meat cute story yeah I think maybe this point they've been married seven or eight years which also I'm like been married eight years and it really would so like you know this is to other people so it's like if you can't even kind of keep it together 
whenever you're talking to other people, like, imagine when it's just the two of you. It definitely, I was actually thinking about a friend who was like, oh, like, I haven't met, was, we had a playgroup and met this woman for the first time. And she was like, oh, I've never met you. But the first time I met your husband, he's like, oh, I'm married to that gorgeous redhead or something. <laughs> and I was like, what? You know, and so when I'm reading this, I'm like, wow, like, you know, maybe that's a bit of an extreme way but an extremely kind and like thoughtful versus like mm-hmm. a very you know uh, just Bland. yeah you just kind of get the vibe right away that there's some some big problems um and that was like a main theme throughout the book to me was like how how do they get to this point because when pretty much after that it jumps right into um her being what like 16 no she wasn't even 16 she was younger she was was about 14 yeah 14 or 15 and like she's going to um aunt winsome's christmas like this is (laughs) i i loved aunt winsome i truly did i have an aunt winsome practically this very this well not winsome so a a a a stand-in for a winsome that was very that i was like wow like that very makes a lot of sense but anyways so that was kind of funny yeah, Martha's family is comprises of her mom, her dad, and her sister Ingrid, who's only like a year or two younger than her. Fifteen months. Oh, fifteen months. I don't know why Holy cow. Yeah. And they look a lot alike. They are a lot alike. You get the f- <laughs> all through the book, you get that Ingrid is a lot like how Martha wishes she was, because they are very similar. They have like very biting sarcasm they're very intelligent people are drawn to them because they're very charming but Ingrid doesn't have the toxic mental health issues that said this is kind of calling back to a conversation we had earlier at the park just because you don't have mental illness doesn't mean you can't doesn't mean you're not affected by your own family's like toxic culture like for example when Ingrid grows up and gets married, she's not always very nice to her husband. And like, there are some issues in her marriage, but because she's not quote crazy, it's more like, Oh, this is just normal, uh, toxic relationship behavior. You know what I mean? Hers is definitely like a manageable where it, because of what she's, you know, like her undiagnosis, mm-hmm. her undiagnosis, her misdiagnosed, you know, like own problems. Um, Martha's just really can't hardly compare to Ingrid, where Ingrid, by the end of the book, has been married to the same guy for many years. They've been able to go through extremely difficult things of raising children, having a bunch when they didn't really mean to, having them very quickly, where Martha is floundering from pretty much start to finish with every relationship that she's in. Um, but I want to talk a little bit about um, their childhood. Yeah. It was very, very interesting to me to think of, like, you know, I think they, uh, Aunt Winsome is the rich aunt. You know, this is, um, what was their mom's name? I can't remember. Celia? I don't remember. Maybe, I think, I feel like Celia. <laughs> Whoops. Yes, it was. Okay, okay I'm look at my notes. Celia was their mother, who was a a sculptor she repurposed random things but she never really got like a ton of fame it was it made me think of like somebody that might win like a like a a prize for like the local newspaper Mm -hmm. like a one-time thing and it's like that's their you know claim to fame and they're always trying to get more uh notoriety and it just never happens and then the dad was like a a poet a poet that was 
published one time. What was he published? It was somewhere totally random. Well, he was published. He was published in something big, and like he was called like the male Sylvia Plath, which was so funny. And then he, at first, I was like, so does this man just not work at all? I don't. I mean, he doesn't really, but he does write. He just, I think that's the key there is that like, it took me a little while to realize he is consistently writing. He's just not getting published, which is almost worse than being allowed. That said, their father is the loving, nurturing parent, more stable parent, whereas the mother is erratic, selfish, and eventually becomes a total drunk. Um, Martha talks a lot about how her dad would get really fed up every once in a while and leave. And the, then the mama would make him leave. Yeah. So it was called like the leave-ins. And so it was like the dad was like sick of it, but like he wouldn't really like pack up and go to like the local hotel until the mom like told him to. And then she'd have to come back around and do all the begging and pleading. And like, um, it's like they're pressed up against the counters kissing. Like, you know, she's trying to like win this man back over. And then he'd come back on into the house. Yeah, not like a super unusual or like original family dynamic, but one that, I mean, you just buy immediately. Like it all tracks. It all makes sense. Um, And again, (laughs) their parents' relationship, it harkens to Martha, like how her own marriage ends up. And then even in Ingrid's relationship about just resentment, like... I've read like Gottman Institute stuff and it's how resentment is like the number one killer of love. And it is because it, it makes you hate someone that is just as close as can be. Um, and the other thing that I like about this book is that it really weaves in like modern stuff in a way that doesn't feel too heavy handed. So like how many times have you been reading a book and they're like, I got an SMS text message with goodbye (laughs) or like they're trying to like talk about like, Oh, she thought she was so cool listening to the shins or whatever, like throw in random band names to try and like feel cool or quirky. This right from the start, this book is like referencing like a very specific gif of Prince William. I I I look it up. Immediately. And the vibe is perfect. Like, she'll drop things like scrolling Instagram or using the Headspace app or whatever. But it's a light touch that makes it feel very natural and, like, culturally aware without trying too hard. Which is, like, the beauty of this whole book where you're like, man, this, the girl, the author is just, like, cool. Like, she gets it. She hits the right note every time without like beating you over the head with it absolutely um she had several gif references in there by the way that cracked me up this is that's what i mean like a few like random things i'm like man and especially even like the sisters like texts and stuff back and forth Uh yeah um if only they could insert those into the ebook, wouldn't that be amazing? If only the the Prince William watched it several. I truly did several several times, and especially where it's like this, like describes your husband because that was it was a very specific. You understood, mm-hmm. you knew Patrick 
through that gift or I did. I'm like, oh, like that kind of man. Mm -hmm. Totally. Okay. So, um, let's see. I, yeah. And then my notes jump way forward so we can talk about Christmases, but like eventually like they, they only basically see their aunt once a year. Winsome is married to like this kind of terrible guy named Roland they have an adopted child who's the oldest and they have two biological children. Um, their oldest is like mixed race or black and like his dad kind of makes really horrible comments about him being black. Um, you and Winsome is like, okay, Enneagram time. Uh, Martha is a four. Uh, I would say that Patrick could be a two, but it's probably a five. And Winsome, who's not super important, but she's a one, like straight up the most perfectionist, perfect, rich lady ever. You have to tell me who's, what's Ingrid in your opinion? Um, Ingrid. Hmm. You know, I think Ingrid's actually a two. She cannot be a two and then Patrick not be a two. Absolutely not. She, I mean, like, yes, she is. But Patrick is, to set the scene, Patrick is a doctor. He's a, um, what, like an ICU, like, specialist mm-hmm. doctor. He is taking care of his wife, who basically does nothing but treats him like trash by night. Like, he is just, like, the ultimate, like throw himself I know. uh bend over backwards right there's like a there's a specific phrase i'm trying to <laughs> reach for that i'm not getting but yeah he's definitely like a mr do it all and do it with a smile on his face yeah i need to think about it more i say five because and we'll get into this Two's and fives are related, <clears throat> they are the- somewhat related but like more so he has this it's not like He's doing this because he feels like the need to serve Martha. Because I don't think he would take that from everybody. I think he's like obsessed with Martha and has been from his early childhood. I think it's more like he's very out of touch with his own emotions and almost feels like that's what, that's all he deserves. I don't know. We're kind of jumping ahead in the story here, but... Patrick also had a very traumatic upbringing. And actually, that was one of the points you talked about. It's like how the two of them were kind of like comparing like who's... Or tragedies. Who had like worse tragedies. And it was like they finally kind of quit talking about it because it was just like a big competition. Where it was like they just kind of, you know, they didn't really like delve into it. They just were like, okay, we're going to like mentally block this because we had horrible upbringings and we just don't want to want to go there. Yeah, and it does make you think, like, okay, would you rather have a family who is totally chaotic, but out of the deal, you get a sister who is your absolute best friend and, like, you know, kindred spirit, and parents who are not perfect at all, they do love you, and especially your father is really trying to take good care of you. Or Patrick, who is in effect an orphan, or worse than an orphan because his dad is alive and wants nothing to do with him. And so basically puts him in a boarding school. And that's how they meet. Um, One of her cousins brings Patrick home from school when they're like 11 years old or maybe 12. And um, 
I think that the time that Martha's like 15 or something. She's a couple years older than him. Yeah, and so they have like a, this like totally random little thing where like she has braces on and she's she's able to flick the little like the little rubber band on the braces <laughs> and like it lands on him and they're all like, "Oh." Um but yeah, so they get to know each other through that and every year it's like the annual. By the way, actually before I even go into that, when I say Roland was the biggest piece of trash, oh. it really hurt me because Patrick, like, you're supposed to imagine this, like, boy who's, like, his mama has died in the past, like, four or five years. His dad has nothing to do with him. He he said every Christmas and birthday he would spend with the headmaster of the school. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, for the first time he's having, like, a real Christmas, he opens, like, this little gift up, like, a totally random, like, gift that they were like, oh, oh here, here you go. And, like, he's so pleased and everything. And then, like, Roland, the father it's like so how'd your mom die basically and it's like could you have a little tax son for a poor little 12 year old and then i think he starts crying and he's kind of like or maybe he doesn't cry but act like he's yeah. about to it's kind of like like to suck it up and i was like son this is like the epitome of what i despise in a man yeah roland is really is the worst and when some though wins me over i mean she is such a busybody. And she is like this perfect, she's like the person that's, you know, sweeping the crumbs from underneath you while you're trying to eat your dinner type thing. On the other hand, you learn that like, she's the one who is basically supporting their whole family. Like she's extremely rich. And I mean, I just get the idea. She almost pays for everything. I just can't imagine doing that for, so yeah. Well, she helped. So, um, what is her name? Martha's grandmother mm-hmm. actually, did she die like randomly and she had like a mental illness and then her father, uh, or so the grandfather had nothing to do with them. So in, why do I keep saying Ingrid? Mm-hmm. So Winsome really took care of Celia. Like, so yeah. like she was older by several years. So I think she definitely took on the mother and role where like, yes, she's definitely an enabler as mm-hmm. far as financially, but she really loves and cares for them. And what I kept thinking about in the book is like you constantly, Celia trash talks her sister, looks down upon her. And the girls also, like her daughters, like there's a quote that I wrote down where it's like, they talk about um, how their perceptions of Winsome is what their mother thought. And it's like, yeah. as they got older, they really began to see like, wow, she, she is not who my mother thinks she is. She's harboring this resentment. And it's really affected our view on life. And I felt like that happened several times where, you know, as you get older, you kind of begin to see the reality of, like, what actually is, like, influenced by your parents. And it's not accurate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think uh, Ingrid says, like, after she has a baby or something, that Winsome comes over every single day for, like, a couple weeks, months. I don't even know. And Martha was like, you want her there? And she's like, of course I want her here. Like, who else is helping me? Not you. Again, and I love the way they talk to each other because it's only like a sibling. Ingrid, I could not love her more. That was such a good, it was like a great way to like subtly call her out. Because she is, throughout the entire book, Martha basically does no wrong. There's no time that she really doesn't stand beside her except for one extreme situation. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, she doesn't like cut her any crap whatever she like needs to. She's like okay now like you know you got to be a little serious here but yeah that was just like another time where it's like sure maybe this isn't because they they still you know got aggravated with her Mm -hmm. for little things she would do but they knew like at her core she was really like a good kind-hearted person 
Yeah. Even her saying that, like, she doesn't... She is... She is... Ingrid is Martha's biggest fan, but she doesn't bull crap her. Like, she literally in that moment was like, well, of course I need Winsome. Like, I can call you, but you're not actually going to help me. And I'm sure that was so hard for Martha to hear. But at the same time, she knows it's true. So... So, yeah, so basically she has a regular childhood. She's very intelligent. One morning, she says she wakes up and it's like a bomb went off in her brain. And it's just, it was very interesting way for me to think about how serious and how quickly. Because for her, it was like an overnight experience where she couldn't get out of the bed. And if she did, she would crawl underneath like a desk. And this went on for pretty much months. And like she lost, you know, she had a scholarship to a great school. And she really just, she lost her appetite. She lost her will to live. And she would have, like, random, like, suicidal thoughts. And just was almost like a a 180 from what her personality once was. Yeah. And so they, um, at that point, she goes to the doctor. And they're like, oh, you probably just have, oh, what's it called? Kissing disease. Mono? Mono. That's what they tell her she has. And then eventually, I think her dad, like, intercepts her basically standing on the balcony about to kill herself. And they do get her diagnosed with depression. But this is just a drumbeat throughout the whole rest of the book where she has mental health crisis. She loses everything, like, loses her job, loses, you know, multiple career streams like loses out on good grades in college like all this stuff they fiddle with her meds they never really work and then very importantly uh when she's still very young they tell her like oh and make sure that you're not like trying to get pregnant when you're on these drugs because it's super dangerous and it would like really hurt a fetus or whatever um which That's also interesting because it was, like, constantly mentioned. Like, every single time she got a new medicine, it was, like, the fetus. Like, Mm -hmm. you can't do this to the fetus. And so she was like, well, I'm not having kids anyway. So, you know, no big deal. And so she kind of carries on. Yeah, that is something that early on, I... Even when I didn't like Martha, I did respect her because nothing about her wanted wanted to let these people down like she truly loves Ingrid you get the idea that I mean Ingrid eventually has four children but when she just has the two or three little boys and she's just drowning like through these little like moments she's like very dedicated to her nephews and like has very sweet moments with them and she She wants to not be a burden. Like, she won't tell people when she's doing really poorly. Or she will try and hide it. Or she will, um, I don't know. She lies constantly. That was something in the book. She would call herself out on it. But it would just be, it drove me crazy. Because it would be a little random. Like, why is the sky blue today? And then, you know, and then it's just like, like, honey, just tell the truth. Mm -hmm. She definitely drove me absolutely insane by she, just not being honest she would lie to your face while you knew and she knew that you that were lying. was that was the thing too several times where it was like especially her and patrick there yes were some moments. yes and some very could have been very sweet moments between the two of them and she 
she just kept shooting herself in the foot she just like would not allow it yeah this book does not answer the question but it definitely poses it and like i am somebody that grew up around a lot of mental illness it is hard when there are loved ones with mental illness in your life and it's like you want to cut them some slack give them some grace etc but the line of where the mental illness starts and then where just like personality faults start is so blurry because you're like okay you can't paint with this huge paintbrush of like oh everybody with such and such disorder would be a terrible parent and would you know just not be a good spouse and blah 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 or not be successful at their job or whatever that's like fundamentally untrue because then you hear about tons of people that have different mental illnesses that do amazing things or amazing nurturers or whatever and every person deals with that struggle differently but in this book it like the line is just so blurry of like Martha Martha believes that about herself like she really does think like I can't do these things because of this Mm -hmm. so yeah she's she's just she's very hard on herself I mean, I say that. There are times where I wanted her to be harder on herself. But, like, I guess she's very critical of herself without always doing something about it. And it it drove me insane. So, there are so many moments in the book where you really want to root for Martha. Like, she would do little things like the the eye doctor, like, fell off his stool. And she felt bad for him. And so, she ends up getting glasses that she doesn't need. And it's just kind of like a sign of how compassionate she really is. And, like, she really you know, goes above and beyond at times. But then she would just do the most, like, outrageous little, like, crazy thing where, you know, you're just like, why did you, like, why did you choose to do that? So there Mm -hmm. is a lot of, in this book, up and down. I I should have kept a note. If if we read another book like this, I will. Because I was like, oh, I like this woman. I can't stand her. Oh, I love her. I despise her worse. Like, oh, well, I understand. Like, just a constant ebb and flow of of just how complicated she was. And how hard it would be to be in any kind of relationship with this woman. Mm-hmm. Unless you're somebody like Ingrid who can 100% accept her. Because it would be hard. It truly would have been. Yeah, her only other, like, close friend in the book is Peregrine, who is this, like, older gay man who she befriends. She, so she eventually gets work as a writer. Like, she does graduate college, and then she, like, works for, like, Vogue or something for a little while, and then she works for um, Peregrine's company that's, like, does furniture, and she, like, writes blurbs for the website or something. But she ends up, Peregrine, like, thinks she's funny and is like charmed by her and peregrine also is wealthy very established and doesn't need anything from martha but her occasional lunches and so that's why i think their relationship works because she doesn't need to support peregrine in any way he's also maybe not mothering but like he likes to You know, like, kind of push her in, like, the right direction. Mm -hmm. Like, offer her advice. And, like, you know, he kind of likes that little thing where she is really, like, willing to take it. And she's not going to be, like, a go-getter. So... So, like, you know, like, when they go, to, when, like, when yes. he has parties and things, like, oh, like, you should come to this. And, like, and she's easily influenced by him. He and he does it for a good. type thing. Definitely. She is the muse uh, at the moment. Yes. Her. 
And, but it's not like nefarious at all. Peregrine is great. And eventually he ends up accidentally. (laughs) Oh, I should back up just a hair. My one little qualm with the book and with Patrick and Ingrid or Patrick and Martha's relationship is it's this foundational thing, right? He's always been there because he's kind of become part of Winsome's family that he shows up on these holidays or whatever. And so he's fascinated by, um, by Martha early on and then they don't get together till much later, but there's like this drumbeat of like, Oh, he's always been in love with you. Here's my thing. If this is true, then they're only seeing each other like once a year and it's not enough. They see each other for like an hour every year. Yeah. And they really only, I mean, I, I will say for whatever reason, I actually randomly thought about one of my cousin's besties who I had the biggest crush on and I didn't see him again. I saw him again like six years later, like, and I was like, oh, he's still so cute, but it was never like a, I'm in love with where yeah. his is definitely like, like everybody knows that mm-hmm. that he's crazy about her so you're right. right there should have been more i think maybe at some point he come they do easter and christmas or something mm-hmm. so it's like twice a year but i think too he just has no like he's at all-male board boarding school right? right so he doesn't have a lot of exposure he's not he nobody takes him out of the school he's not mm-hmm. like you know walk around with his dad and like running into people so maybe it, it was like limited exposure and it wouldn't have bothered me as much but when they finally do get engaged and everyone's like it's about time i thought you were already engaged or whatever and it's like at the time they had been officially dating for a hot mm. second <laughs> like a week or whatever i'm just like oh, i don't buy that but before this even happens yeah. we got to talk about her 48 day marriage yes <laughs> to thanks to peregrine absolute worst person ever jonathan which really all we got to find out about jonathan is he's like super psychopath he's like a big hunk like your traditional like what you'd think you'd want a man but he actually is like on um like drugs really badly and like he does like a big grandiose um proposal which she's like okay first of all i would have never wanted this he Mm -hmm. invites everybody over including patrick which is like cuts him to his core and then what are my one of the notes that i took is like that he was like oh i had no idea it was gonna be such like a big thing like i gotta go to work not and like he leaves her to clean up her own engagement party stuff and it's just like wow this man doesn't know her at all and several times too she'd make jokes about like her not her mental illness but just like would make like you know about mental illness in and, general. and he, doesn't and even he realize. just had no yeah no yeah. clue and would like not would take or she would say things seriously and he would take them as jokes and it was just like how was his relationship ever supposed to be serious at all yeah like, excuse me i don't understand i tried to understand how she would get into that bed so quickly he definitely had big like wolf of wall street vibes like he was just like a bro scumbag um the only thing i can think of is that because he was on the surface very successful and very handsome and at this point her self-worth is literally nothing that it just i don't know it was just like she would it's like the lying thing it's like a compulsion like she could not say no she could not walk away even though she did find this person semi-repugnant it makes it's really hard i mean i guess i'm having i'm thinking of 
from this without having a mental illness. They'd only been dating for like maybe three months. They dated for I think like a month, maybe Mm -hmm. like eight weeks, and they got engaged. And their engagement was like a month or two, and then they got married. And then she was like, she talks like on the honeymoon, like she starts having like an episode, and then like, and by the time she really like has like a what do you call it, like a catatonic, that's whenever he's like, you you need to just leave. Like, yeah. whenever she cannot pull herself out of it, he's just like, okay, I'm done with this. And then they just kind of like, you know, file it away as like, divorce. They end up getting an annulment because yeah. they never consummate yeah. the marriage <laughs> because he's always high on cocaine and she's like <laughs> catatonic. It is truly like gross. It's a really weird thing. And in the... Uh, and in the background, you kind of have like, um, I can't even think of Patrick's cousin or mm-hmm. Patrick's bestie, who was her cousin, who was like, you know, Patrick's always had a love for you. And Oliver. she's like, yeah. And you're like, what? What? I, I had no clue. And, and everybody else is like, oh, like we all knew all along. So she kind of has that at the back of her mind. She definitely, Patrick was always kind of like her plan, maybe not B, but like plan Mm-hmm. G, like yeah. if this doesn't work out, if this doesn't work out, like she ends up going to Paris um, well, with Paragon. Right after that, when she like gets her divorce, that's the first time that she like loses everything. She stops going to work, and it's Peregrine's company, and they end up like just eventually firing her. Peregrine doesn't hold it against her because he's Peregrine, but um, she like that's the first time she goes back to her parents' house. And moves in with them. And basically, like, she is willing. She is so afraid of her own self and so willing, I don't know, or unable to get out of this depression every time it happens. She cuts every string and burns every bridge possible. Like, you see this over and over again where she just walks away from a job or walks away from everybody that she knows or whatever and just like gives up for a little while until she can get it together and she's really lucky to have some people that won't give up on her um but there's this moment where she like confront at the time her cousins are like kind of living there as well because he's like been in and out of rehab and doesn't want to go back to Winsome's house and um (laughs) after one of the cousins tells them about Patrick loving her. She like ends up cornering Patrick. Yeah, that's well, it. Was very manipulative. I hated was, that. This was after she lived in Paris for like five years. So oh, she really? hadn't. Yes. So she hadn't even. Well, hold on. Was it? Before? Hold on. You might be right. Maybe that was before. Because I was going to say there's been many years. It was just very. I think you might be right. And then she runs off to Paris. Yeah. So basically she corners Patrick and was like, do you love me? Like, are you in love with me? And he is like so flustered and is like, no, like, why would you even say that? Like, no. And And then he runs away. Yeah. And he like literally runs away. And I just, you know, you're right. Because I think maybe she got annulled that same day. So she's like, it was the day of her annulment. Yes. Well, this is actually one of my notes. She wrote, or I wrote down that she constantly talks about being humiliated Mm -hmm. and she uses that a lot in like. No, that was an embarrassing thing. But at the same time, yeah. it was like, you brought it on yourself. You're already in a bad place mentally. And she really, she really feels very, like, her emotions are very strong. Mm-hmm. Like, definitely like a, you know, like, maybe you wouldn't, hopefully, you know, you just got an annulled that day. Somebody that's been in your life for many years. Are you really going to be like, oh, <gasps> 
tell me now, like, right. what is the love between us? Yeah. She was definitely, um... I was at least happy that Patrick didn't, like, fall into that trap. I don't know. It was just like, Martha, give me a break. <laughs> Get yourself together. But, yeah, she she also has, for good or for bad, she has enough charm and friends in high places, I guess, that several times throughout this book... She's kind of bailed out for, before she hits rock bottom, for better or worse. So, like, Peregrine, for example, is like, you need to go to Paris. If you're going to be miserable, you may as well be miserable in Paris. I have a little, like, I mean, a crappy little apartment, but you can live there for free. And she ends up going there and, like, living there for, like, four or five years, like you said, until Peregrine eventually dies. <laughs> oh, so sad. There is... There's one amazing quote where it talks about, like, how the daughter's talking at the, um, <laughs> she's talking at the, what do you call it, the memorial, yes. and she talks about, like, how, um, Peregrine was like, you know what, at least he, like, went in a great way, like, he had, like, a very dramatic, like, he fell down the stairs and died, and, um, Martha's like, you know what, if it hadn't been for him, uh, Peregrine would have been acutely jealous of anyone who got to die dramatically in public, surrounded by gilt furniture. <laughs> I, that's what I mean with some of those moments where I'm like, yes, absolutely. Like, you hit that humor just right. Where I just was thinking about this, you know, very um, successful and like a bit outlandish kind of man and like dying in such a dramatic way and being like, thank you, Lord, for taking me in just the right perfect I, manner. I kept picturing a cross between Leslie Jordan and David Sedaris, <laughs> but like. <laughs> British, which makes it even better. <laughs> oh, yeah, he loved drama. He lived for the drama. See, I was thinking like Stanley Tucci in oh. um in <laughs> The Devil Wears Prada. Like you know, that was the yes. vibe I was thinking of. For some reason, he was always tiny in my mind. I mean, yes. Stanley Tucci's not a large man either. <laughs> um, yeah, the Paris time. Oh. So. Yeah, par- basically like nothing happened. Lip. Yeah, she has what was also odd to me is she's not. Like, she's in a, a relationship, not a relationship. She is, um, I guess, friends with benefits with her boss for, like, three years. Mm-hmm. And it's it was just crazy to me how she was just very, like, her boss comes back one day and it's like, oh, I'm married to a man. You need to leave now, bye. <laughs> and, like, she just was never phased. I just kind of kept being like, wow, like, mm. there were a few people who meant a lot to her, but there were a ton of people that, like, she just would not invest in. She, even though they were in a big part of her life. She does her very best to not have attachments. And I think it's, like, self, like, torture almost. Like, she doesn't think she deserves it, I guess. But she can't live. She literally, like, cannot live without the people that she really needs, right? Like, her sister or, um, I guess, her parents or whatever. And eventually Patrick. Um, But, yeah, it just, like, I mean, the fact that she lived in Paris this entire time... And had not one friend. I just, like, worked in a bookstore and just, like, hated it every day, basically. Right. So then, whenever Peregrine dies and they sell the little place, she comes home. She's living with her parents. That's whenever her cousin starts living with them, uh, Nicholas. And then Patrick and Oliver start coming around regularly, spending time with him. Mm -hmm. And she really is, like, she's pretty standoffish for Patrick at first because she remembers, like, you know, that, like, super, in her mind, like, humiliating moments so she's like oh like i'm not even gonna really entertain and then she finally 
I don't know, they kind of just fall into like a friendship. Yeah. And like they're meeting up, like, you know, walking to the, uh, like to the park together, walking to work together. And I, as it built up, but at this point we're halfway through the book, I just, there was, I don't know, I just started really rooting for her. She asks him finally, like, about, like, I think maybe he, he tells her, like, you know, like, I was not honest with you. And she's like, so this whole time you love me? And he's like, utterly, I loved you utterly. And my only note that I wrote down was I was thinking about that little dog meme where he's sitting in the fire. And he's like, this is fine. This is fine. Because I was sitting there, like, shaking, like, oh, he loved her the whole time. Like, thank you, Patrick. Like, please come save Martha. Even though I knew that they were going to be, like, there's going to be problems down the road. I just was like, I, it wasn't even for Martha as much as it was for Patrick. Where I'm like, Patrick has endured so much in his little life and he loves Martha. And I just wanted him to work it out so desperately. I'm just like such a romantic that I'm like, please. Yeah. She does a good job with like making them have an actual relationship when it counts. Like, do I buy that he would have been that deeply in love with her? Oh, with the amount of time spent. Right, maybe not, but it was still, like, I I needed just, like, one extra scene of, like, flirting or tension building when they were a little younger. I think that would have done it for me. Um, but you, you do get more moments in this time of, like, courtship and early marriage where you see Martha's big heart. And, like, um, there's this... <laughs> there's this one moment where it's I like wrote this note down I don't even remember but like she like sees like a horse girl like a girl on her horse and like a beautiful horse and she like cries or like sees like a beautiful baby in a carriage and like is like so moved by this and like you know that she has even in this book where she's like the unreliable narrator I guess sometimes where she's saying all these things, like you just see all this stuff bubbling under the surface. And she, you, you know that she thinks she's like pulling the wool over everybody's eyes, but everybody really knows what's going on. Right. And pretty much there's a lot of um, good moments in the beginning of the marriage where it's like, they, they both like he, it really is hard not to, in my opinion, not to like Patrick mm-hmm. because it seems like there's no ulterior motive. It's just like, yes. he's just there for Martha. She, when she's going into these like, you know, uh, deep bouts that like, she doesn't really like know how to like deal with. She talks about like how he is sitting there, like, you know, like massaging her scalp for hours yeah. or like trying to reach out to her and trying his best to help her through it all. I just was like, and that's where as she started to kind of, well, okay, I guess before we get there, we to talk about, like, the big thing. How long had they been together before her bomb was dropped about her pregnancy? They've been married for a little mm, while. They had been married at least five years. I want to talk first, like, before this all happens, I want to talk about my absolute favorite Ingrid moment in the whole book, which is when she gives birth on Winsome's oh, bathroom wow. floor. <laughs> And this is when I, like, truly loved Ingrid so much. So she, they're, like, at Christmas or whatever. And she's, like, pretend. She's, like, I'm going to, like, drop my mucus plug (laughs) on Winsome's chair. (laughs) It was so funny. And then she goes upstairs. She ends up going to labor. And, like, Patrick delivers the baby in the bathroom. And her husband, her, like, dumb husband, Hamish, is, like, guess we have to name the baby Patrick now. (laughs) And she's, like, oh, 
I would, but I don't really like the name Patrick. <laughs> and then the little baby's known as not Patrick. Yeah. <laughs> like, very affectionately. I just love that part. I'm like, oh, Ingrid, you're yeah. just always just you. I feel like I have an even better Ingrid moment. I'm going to share it on the... um on our page on Instagram. <laughs> so y'all get on there, but I, cause it cracked me up so hard. Um, I'll, I'll save it for them, yes. but, but yeah. So, and yeah, just, is anything big happen in the next couple of years? They have a good relationship. No, uh, that's Same. when they like kind of start actually dating and then they literally get engaged after like, a, they hadn't even like kissed. Oh, I got, I have to write, share this. Like, right. Quote. There's like one, this was like another one that's like perfect deadpan moments where they're all together. They're at the hospital meeting the baby and he's just like, like Patrick kind of like raises his hand. and is like, uh, just quickly, everyone. I asked Martha to marry me last night and she said, fine. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what? <laughs> very like nonchalant because yeah you're right they're just like everybody's kind of like oh like yay like you should have been married and you're like well they've spent yeah you know somehow she pulls it off where even though patrick is desperate it he doesn't He's, seem desperate he maybe. doesn't he doesn't try that hard like he no. the whole time he allows martha to pretty much come to him every once in yeah. a while like when she's really doing bad yes. like he reaches out a hand but that's it he doesn't like throw himself at her as you would imagine like an unrequited love to do well and again if he did do that it would come off as like skeezy because he's very attracted to her so it's like you get yeah he's not trying to take advantage of somebody but yeah they they start their marriage with her being like i never want children and he's like well i always thought i would have kids but like i'd rather basically like i'd rather be married to you than have a family or whatever um, and she's been on birth control, like, her whole life, basically, since she's 17. Um, and then there's this part where she ends up getting pregnant. And she doesn't, ugh, again, she, like, keeps stuff that she should not keep from Patrick from Patrick. And she tells other people. And, I mean, Ingrid, meanwhile, has been, like, spitting out babies every 18 months without even trying and and complaining about it constantly yeah, too so she yes. sees kind of like the hardships and so you're like okay like well you know but between it going to be difficult just like a difficult thing in general to have a child raise it plus her mental illness it's like okay because she's immediately like i'm not keeping this there's not even mm-hmm. a question but yeah her not telling patrick Especially, like, you know, they're they're on an anniversary dinner. One of the things I wrote down was, like, she would just get these stupid mundane. Like, um, he was tired, so I didn't tell him. He was holding his phone. <laughs> he was wearing a sweater I did not like. That was the kind of thing where I'm like, honey, you are so... Like, you're in your own head, yeah. and you have to just stop. Sometimes you have to embrace and do hard things. And again, that's where the line is so blurry, where I'm like, is this, like your mental illness or because on the flip side since they've been married she'll get all pissed off and like throw something at him or she'll go over and like break a vase against a wall I mean something that if my spouse did that like I'd be like okay checking you into an inpatient hospital today she hits him I think in the head with an iron like really serious things and like he's just kind of this is another thing that I couldn't... So, this is such a exact opposite of my spouse. Where this man kind of holds it all in. Yeah. And just kind of takes it. And it's just kind of like a... I'll be the martyr. Like, 
don't mind me. Like, mm-hmm. she does something like this. And so, what does he do? He goes and gets a broom and, like, cleans it up and, like, never talks yeah. about it. Yeah. And that's just, kind of, that's the end of that. It's like, okay, well, whatever. And she's fine with that because she's also mortified and, like, assumes that she is a terrible person. It The, the part where she gets pregnant and then she's, like... He's basically like, can you just think about it for like a couple days? Or can I think about it for a couple days? And she finally tells him after maybe, I don't know, eight weeks or something. And she's basically like, there's no point in waiting and saying like, you know, she's going to get an abortion. She shortly after there has a miscarriage and takes... Even before that happens, so he's he does kind of come up to her one time. It's like, why don't you just think? And she's yeah. like, no, yes. I'm not even going to like allow the thought. Like it's not mm-hmm. happening. But yeah, yeah. And she takes the miscarriage really hard. It as, I mean, abortion. Wherever you stand, it's not happy and it's hard to read about her even considering that. However, <laughs> for me. It underlined who Martha truly is as a person. And I don't mean that like in an evil way. This An abortion in that context was not a selfish thing for her. It was like extremely hard for her. And she literally felt like it was her only choice because she could not fathom being a mother with her conditions. And she doesn't feel deserving or capable of that role. And pretty much, I think, is it as soon as this happens that, like, the uh, the big reveal is that she's actually desperate to have a child. And she mm-hmm. talks about, like, how it's so hard to see her sister who can constantly just, like, reproduce, reproduce. And not even that, but it's, like, is unhappy while it happens. Yeah. And then she's like, you know, like, this is, like, my heart's greatest desire. But, yeah, like like you said, she's she's doing it from a selfless place of I don't want to um, ruin. I don't. Right. I, I don't I don't want to be a bad parent, but also like I think she also has the idea of like the medication's going to really harm the fetus and that like you know that she's going to be bringing in like a child that's not going to be able I don't know, but you know just has problems. Oh, yeah. There's like a cocktail of like I don't want to pass on my genes. I don't want to disappoint this child. I don't want to, to disable yes, this child. Right. And I don't know if I, you know, even though the medication doesn't really help I don't want to go off of it if if it's going to make everything even worse. Um, what, pro- like, how far after that does she end up going to the new psychiatrist? It, I think it was like two or three years, right? Because yeah. it's right, is it a little before she turns 40? It's crazy to me the amount of time that goes by in this book. And yeah. I think <laughs> that's what makes it even more, just like kind of really bittersweet and sad is that but by the time she gets to a quote unquote better place she is like already 40 years old and it's like I mean that's not old but it's also not young and it's just I don't know there's just like this I don't it's, I don't know she just struggles for so so long oh you know what? I guess it couldn't have been too long cuz there's a, a she kind of gets to a place where so she she ends up going to a new um, a new doctor who actually is like, Hey, mm-hmm. you were misdiagnosed. Here's what happened. Um, and then it's kind of like all the stars kind of align. Uh, I believe then shortly afterwards he tells her like, Oh, and you, you know, like, are you pregnant? She's like, no. And he's like, okay, well just so you know, it's fine if you become pregnant. Mm-hmm. And then it's like her, another bomb goes yeah, off in her the, brain. The, she talks about like how she already like kind of hated her mama, but at that point, like, 
her rage towards Patrick just becomes like, well, you're a doctor. You should have known what's happening with me. And our child died and we could have had a child. And, mm-hmm. and just like all of this misplaced rage and like. Which she refuses to tell him though. Oh. Like, so passive aggressive. Can you. How? This is pretty much, but other than her yeah. her sister, like really like one of the only people she has like constant communication with. It, it was just, it was so hard to like Martha so much of the book when yeah. she just cannot be an honest person. Martha, Martha is basically willing to self-destruct rather than tell the truth. Lacey briefly mentioned that she, like, oh, she had already hated her mom. Well, you find out later that her mom knew about this diagnosis the whole time and that she has it. Like, her grandmother killed herself over it. Aunts, like, all these women in her family history have had this issue. By the way, there is just a blank space in the book. Like, you literally have, like, a line instead of them diagnosing her. In the back of the book, it says, like, this is not consistent with any specific mental illness. Um, It's just kind of like a stand-in. And... I personally kept thinking schizophrenia, even though it's, it's not schizophrenia, but it's just like a really scary one. Like that was the theme you got after she's diagnosed. It's like, if, if you were to hear that someone that you know and love was diagnosed with that, you would be devastated. Um, I wonder how it would be in the audiobook. Because after she's diagnosed, they There's mention a it a lot. Yeah, it's There's just a, a blank. A totally, that's a good point. I say blank. I, maybe, I almost want to listen just to see yeah, what they say. Maybe we will do some research because yeah, it's like a blank space mm. with an underline. <laughs> like you knew I had blank. So why is she so mad at Patrick? Well, one, because he's a perfect scapegoat because he's wow. like he, he, little he will take it all. And he's like little perfect Patrick. I'm sure she can't stand that after a while of like well, she, like you said, she looks down upon herself and like she really feels mm-hmm. like she's like not a great person. And everybody <laughs> loves Patrick. It's yeah. hard not to like him. He's, she says at the very, like the first, like two pages of the book, like it's hard for me to be with Patrick because he thinks everyone's nice. Mm-hmm. And it's like he just has like a positive outlook on the world and she really doesn't. And it's like people look at him and they say, oh, like, well, he's a doctor. He's like awesome. He has a <laughs> wife that has a lot of struggles and he supports her through it all. So it's like, like he's really like on this pedestal and yeah once she finds out that about her mental illness and that he didn't diagnose her and she's like well why not and she's ready to yeah flay him oh and it's so unfair like it's so unfair um and she even at some point diagnoses him with some kind of like personality disorder there was a, a moment where i was like how are you not walking out the door, Patrick? She's like... There was not one moment. That's a lie. Oh, yeah, there yeah. was many a moment <laughs> where it was many. like... you. He could have a better... Not a better man. Yeah. He, he's a better man than most because he was very... He was physically abused by her. He mm-hmm. was constantly emotionally abused. And she would put nothing... I just kept being like, why are you here, sir? There's nothing tying you down other than, I guess, love towards her and, yeah. and a bit of devotion. And... Uh, we'll get to this but he does say that that like when it's good it's better than good it's the best um but like the moment i'm thinking of is when she's like i asked patrick if he could just start sleeping in a different room like with no explanation can you 
imagine that. No, I actually, I just realized, as I say this, I realized I just wrote down this mm-hmm. quote where um, I said that he should have never accepted the way that I treated him, but he did because the only thing he cared about was having me, the thing he'd always wanted. He just accepted everything and always let it be my version of the story, believing that way he wouldn't have to lose me. So for him, it was just like, she's in game. I will put up with whatever because mm-hmm. I really want her. But I'm sorry she brought nothing to the table, and I don't know why yeah. he would ever feel that way. Well, it she almost, like, gaslights him there because she turns it around with, like, you're gross, you're toxic, why would you ever want to put up with me? And then she just keeps upping the ante because she's not willing, even though she hates him at this point, she's not willing to walk out the door. So well, she's put she doing everything. Nothing. How could she walk out the door? If she walks out the door, she's yeah. going back to the squalor of her mama and daddy's house, who's ta- who's you know, rent is being paid for by her aunt. She mm-hmm. says they have never picked up a dadgum thing to clean it. Her daddy cooks the same meal every <laughs> night and puts tenfold over tenfold over tenfold. Oh, I, like, true. She, she's going back to nothing. Where Patrick is a fastidious cleaner. Yeah. He's a freaking doctor. He makes lots of money. He has little charts <laughs> down to the T of, like, every single... Like, he's counting their dollars. Like, oh. she has a... She really is living in, like, the life of luxury. And that was what killed me about her towards the end, which is where he really is a great spouse. He puts up with a lot, and he he does a lot for her, and he loves her. And she is extremely abusive towards him in a lot of ways, and she pissed me off. Yeah. To be honest with you, I did not love that in the very end, they kind of hint at them rebuilding i mean i get it like she does have a diagnosis now she has a medication that actually works but i'm just like i oh you're coming back from just hell no okay i gotta say i disagree with you but it's because i want it to work out but there was an awesome moment where i wrote this down too where it was like her mom her and her mom finally got in like a like they would call every day for a month yeah and they like they finally kind of worked out their own kinks and this she, is after Patrick actually yes, does leave her, which her. a yeah. well-deserved. Yeah. Uh, and there was like one time where she really embarrasses them at, at, uh, Christmas. Yeah. Christmas. And in front of her aunt, I was so freaking proud of her mama when yeah. her mama called and was like, that was absolutely uncalled for. Patrick's put up with more than most people would. And mm-hmm. you need to kind of get it together and realize that you're not the victim here, that yeah. you are the perpetrator and you've got to realize that. And she really needed, you know, and of course, like, she's, like, kind of, at that point, cut off ties with her mama. And then I think her mama, um, okay. like, wrote her wrote her a letter. And uh, I was like, about how a mature? Month, she gets a letter. That letter made me cry. Like. It was this very, it really was it very moving. It was very moving, especially because her mom does not back away from the fact that she was not a good parent. And she has been a drunk. And she has <laughs> done all these things. But, like. I don't know. She really, like, hit a... She matured so much as, like, a... As just a a parent. Where she was just... Whenever her daughter finally asked her to quit drinking... I cannot even tell you how, like, Mm -hmm. big of a... Like, how that... I know a lot of people that are alcoholics. You... Mm -hmm. It takes a very special person to be able to actually go through the growth of... You're right. I have a problem and stopping and like changing for that person. It's next to impossible for most people. Well, and she, she even mentions that like, or Martha 
mentions that they had never asked her. They had never brought it up. They just lived with it. And then like, that's their toxic family culture is this like acceptance that they're all like effed up or whatever. And they all have their thing and they just live with it and they resent it, but they don't even try to lift each other. You know what I mean? It's like that half finished painted kitchen or whatever like you know all these crappy little projects in their home that never get done and it's because none of them have ever been asked to do more and like I mean even with earning money like Winsome is just always there so they don't respect her and they don't um I don't know so yeah the that letter in the midst of all of this I just cried and cried (laughs) and I'm also very hormonal it wasn't like devastatingly sad it was just very moving yeah and then she really it's like that in conjunction with like taking like the medication and like really kind of like it kind of allows her to kind of see things through a different lens all of a sudden she realizes like wow there's a point in the book where she says like I kind of had the fairy tale I kind of had it all Mm -hmm. I had what on like when you write down everything you want on paper I had that with Patrick in my life and that's whenever the two of them they started just as acquaintances and then it kind of became a little bit of like a friendship and even by the time the book ends they're not together no like they're they're it's kind of they're going through the dating process where like basically that they got engaged right away Mm -hmm. and they really begin to explore like you know can we can we get past the traumas that we've endured separately and together and be able yeah. to make this work? This the, the freaking diary part. Yes. Uh, so uh, there. Okay, really quick. Did you think that Patrick had stepped out whenever she went and checked on him? So this whole time after he left, she. Um, I mean, they just never say boo to one another. I'm really proud proud of Patrick for not doing it. Like. Patrick is the kind of man that as he's leaving her, he comes back with oil for her car and puts it in the car. And then she, then he leaves. But like, I mean, he's like serving her divorce papers and stuff. And like, she just never makes any effort to contact him whatsoever. But she shows up where he's staying one day and she gets the vibe that he had slept with her cousin. What drove me crazy too is like, she kind of wanted to kind of like fix things. This woman what just drove me insane she just she would have good ideas that were healthy and yeah. she would not even allow herself to do it but yeah so you're yeah. like you're kind of left with the question like did he sleep with mm-hmm. the cousin and before they had a relationship yeah. uh, like 10 plus years ago did i think so i was really kind of shocked i was like really would patrick yeah. do this like patrick and of course we find out like no he, he didn't, didn't. <laughs> and he was really offended yeah. that she even thought that where i was even more like Patrick, God bless you. I, I love you, sir. I know. Um, so he ends up reading her diary. Well, they meet up in a storage I, unit. And at this point, she had, like, written yeah, down her whole story. And you almost get the idea that it's, maybe this book, book. yeah, it's the book. Yeah, maybe this book that we're reading is this story that she's written in this journal. That said, he reads almost all of it. So, like, at least the bare bones of this book. Right. Right, yeah. So, he knows. And what was really cool about that is, like, we're saying, like, she did not cut herself any slack in the actual, like, in her diary. So, he really saw, like, the truth of it. Where in, where, 
she's a compulsive liar. So to him, you know, she's like, oh, I don't feel bad. And then in the book, yeah. she might write, like, I felt like a deep sorrow and pain right. for what I have done. <laughs> so he began to, I think that's how he was able to get to a point where they did begin to form a relationship yeah. again. Yeah. Is he was able to see through the cracks of, like, the real her that she wouldn't kind of, like, portray to him. Um, when they got to the point, and you know, it talked about, like, the miscarriage and, like, the daughter... And she had written, like, one time, like, that she wanted to name her Flora. Mm-hmm. That's what made me cry whenever <laughs> it got to the point where it was like, like, what would you have named her? Yeah. And she's like, I don't know. But it's that- like, he knew he'd been reading the book. So, it was like, well, that was, like, a perfect name. Like, and that's what I mean. Like, they yes. just, they were definitely um, a dysfunctional pair. Mm-hmm. But by that point, I kind of was like, you know what? They were each you, other's fun, yeah. dysfunctional. It It does speak a lot to the fact that... Patrick wasn't always miserable, no matter he what. Her yes. through all the hardships. Yeah. How could you not love this man? And that's why I was a little what? torn. Because, like, part of me was like, just walk Patrick. But then part of me does want them to work it out. Because, again, you have it all from Martha's perspective. Martha has a really hard time seeing any good, even when she's not going through a full-blown mental breakdown. Oh, that's right. He totally calls her out. Mm-hmm. And it's like, because like from what he's just read, it was like, wow, like you saw all of this in like a negative light where there was a lot of awesome things. And like, I loved our relationship and I loved our marriage and I loved, you know, not maybe not towards the yeah. end, but yeah, you're right. Where she just is like, her view is just so skewed. Yeah. yeah. He's the main thing is too. And I hope this is a takeaway for him is that he has to be more upfront and he has to be a bigger presence in their relationship going forward. And I, I'm assuming by reading her diary and really seeing all of her that he can like begin to do that. I, that last, the last paragraph, I'm, I, I truly did like break down and cry because she talked about how she's like, she's 41. There is no little baby and like maybe there will never be, but as long as she's kind of got Patrick, like he's kind of like that anchor for her. Like it'll kind of be fine because he's always yeah. there. Man, it was <laughs> so, I got to the end of that book and I felt so satisfied. I cannot yes. tell you how satisfying that was. It was really good. And like the fact that Patrick gets to like clap back at the end and he really lets her have it. But it's like in a really... It's cathartic. It's, and it's very not, cathartic. And it wasn't even a very hurtful way either. Which stood, which stood true to his character. Yeah. At one point he had said like that she didn't deserve a mother. And he was like, I should have never said that. And you yeah. need to know that I will always um, feel regret that I was intentionally cruel to you. So it really yes. was like back to his character of like a good person at heart. Like mm-hmm. he was never... You know, he didn't, like, go off the deep end, like... Totally. Like, suddenly he's, like, flipping her off. Like, he was just very um, steadfast throughout. And if this book speaks to anything, it's to the fact that there is no magic pill for any mental illness. Like, even if you are just dealing with depression or whatever, there's no magic pill. And, like, many, many, many people live with these things. But... Things like therapy and community, like improving communication, communication and being honest. And like, you need both. Like you need the power of just self-mastery and self-awareness as well as the medication. Because, I mean, she just hated doctors so much throughout this because you see them 
either not taking her seriously or misdiagnosing her or putting her on every pill under the sun. And scaring her constantly with, like, you better yes. never get pregnant. Like, right. like she... But it know, is, it's crazy to me that, like, she literally steps foot in a therapist's office one time. One time. For five minutes and then just, like, high tails. I will say, even though, like, the therapist was being obnoxious, I was disappointed in Patrick where I'm like, yes. honey, you know y'all belong here. Like, I get it, but can you not endure? I know. Anyways. <laughs> Other than that, Patrick, you're amazing. <laughs> Love you. <laughs> totally. Okay. It was a great book. You guys should read it. Um, next yeah. week, or in, in two weeks, we will be reviewing a totally different book than what we've had on our agenda lately. It is Lore by Alexandra Bracken. Um, it is a YA fantasy novel that focuses on... Um, the Greek gods, but in modern day setting. Yes, it's supposed to be like, is it uh, Hunger Games-ish? Or maybe it's The Amazing Race. There's some little... Anyways, it's going to be really exciting, I think. I'm really... Um, I've been on like a huge fantasy kick here lately. So I'm like, yes, let's do it. I know. I'm excited too. And I'm yawning. But anyway, thank you for listening. Uh, yes. See you, Kevin. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> <laughs>